Welcome to Meetings with Remarkable Educators. Each podcast is a dialogue between me, Ba Lovemore, and an educator who sees the greatness in their students and touches the whole of their being. These educators defy generalizations. So, here's a bit about what they've done and how I came to know them. At an Aikido workshop at the recent Holistic Learning and Education Conference, the instructor demonstrated an interactive move for protection against an aggressive action. We were then told to pair with our neighbor and practice. I hesitated, averse to immediate physical contact with strangers. But when I turned to meet my neighbor, I experienced an immediate sense of trust and well-being. His bright smile and open demeanor welcomed me, and I relaxed. So this was the Sam Crowell that I had heard of for many years, but knew little about. Only later did I learn of his many accomplishments, his joy in family life, his worldwide influence in bringing holistic education to the fore. Begin a conversation about education and Sam lights up. Inquire into the importance of sustainability, social justice, and spirituality in education, and you may need sunglasses. So brilliantly does his knowledge and passion shine. I cannot mention all of Sam's accomplishments here, but I will put them in the show notes accompanying this podcast, for they reveal both the scope of holistic education and Sam's extraordinary influence. I encourage you to read them. Briefly then, Sam is Professor Emeritus at California State University San Bernardino. He's founder of the master's program in holistic and integrative education and is also a founding member of the Network in Spirituality and Education. Currently, he serves as a doctoral faculty member at Cal State and is an affiliate faculty of the UNESCO Chair for Education for Sustainable Development with the Earth Charter at the UN Chartered University for Peace in Costa Rica. Sam is also faculty of the Self-Design Graduate Institute and an invited adjunct professor at St. Michael's College in Vermont. Sam's personal vision is to live a life of love and service. Through his presentations, teaching, writing, and creative projects, he aims to facilitate experiences that help others to integrate holistic and open systems, perspectives of science, learning, and sustainable culture in their lives and organizations. Cultivate practices and perspectives that nourish the inner life and awaken one's personal vision and dreams grounded in loving service, and to experience spiritual transformation and engagement in the creative arts, nature, and community. Sam writes in the field of education, social change, and personal development, where he explores the implications of a transmodernist, holistic worldview. His books include Emergent Teaching, A Path of Creativity, Significance, and Transformation, the Reenchantment of Learning, Educating toward a, gul- toward a New Cultural Mythology, an Analysis of Three Scientific Metaphors, and A Global Ethic for an Interconnected World, 
toward a sustainable future and the well-being of all. Sam is part of the Fulbright Specialist Program and is the recipient of both the Outstanding Teacher Award and the Outstanding Professional Accomplishments Award. Well, this is a pleasure. I mean, I know we've seen each other passing and over the years, and we've both been involved in all this for quite a long time. So let's just start talking about Earth Charter. Tell me about it. Oh, wow. Uh, Well, Well, actually, (laughs) what I really want to know (laughs) is what the draw. Yes. The draw in you for this. Right, right. and uh, there's a story behind that, of oh, course, great. as there is with all of this. Uh, yeah, I, I was um, I founded a program first of all in uh, uh, holistic and integrative education at a state university, and uh, we had done a lot of interesting things, and but we were continuing to grow and learn and uh, and look at the field of holistic education, try to decide what is it and uh, from our experience and the experience of our students. And um, I felt that there was something that wasn't being addressed sometimes in holistic education, and that was the social component, not the sociability component, but the, the society at large, our engagement in service and, uh, and activity in the world. Where does that fit? In, the, in holistic education. I knew it fit, but I didn't know exactly where. And I, um, I wrote a small grant for uh, professors across borders uh, program to study uh, education for peace at uh, the United Nations University for Peace. You, you wrote that? I wrote a little grant for it. For yes. it? Yes. But you started that Professors Across Borders? No, no, I didn't start. I started the Holistic Ed Master's program at our university. I see. Oh, so Professors Across Borders was already happening? It was a a little program, yes, that that, uh, as faculty and professors we could apply to. I see. And so I got support. And I went down to um, to look at the peace education program because I thought, well, this this fits perfectly with holistic education. And I realized once I was there that the grounding and the foundation of that program was the International Earth Charter, which I had never heard of before. And um, I this is interesting. I felt my heart resonating with these words that uh, that started talking about. Um, the community of life, and that we are planetary citizens, and that um, uh, to approach the communities of life with understanding, compassion, and care. And uh, that resonated so deeply with me, and I wanted to somehow uh, incorporate it in, in what I was doing. So I went back to the university, incorporated some peace education into uh, curriculum classes and our holistic program. It went well, but I, I still wanted to get more into what this Earth Charter really was. And I was fascinated when I learned its history um, that um, from the Rio Summit in Brazil, uh, they were trying to create— what year, what year was that summit? It was 1992. And, um, and from there, for about seven years, they tried to create, is there a possibility for a vision— that um, that the world could share, uh, that would take us into the 21st century and would affect the way we are with one another, the way we are with the planet, and 
how that affects the way we live and our sense of being. And so over that period of time, they developed uh, a, an incredibly inclusive process of, um, of with indigenous people, with cultures, political ideologies, and everyone else, and uh, crafted this beautiful document. And I was hooked. And uh, uh, so I don't want to go on and on, but this is, this no. is what drew me in. <laughs> That's um, what drew you in. So yes. um, what have you done with it? Okay. So I started, I was excited. <laughs> and uh, I said, I got to share this with you. So my first inclination was to share it with my students who were also excited. And then I shared it with other students and they weren't so excited. And uh, because I realized, what am I doing here? I'm a holistic educator and I'm talking about a document. And documents are documents. Who cares? So uh, <laughs> the whole thing is, what what does this mean? What does it? How does it affect our lives? So slowly we began saying, asking that question and incorporating it into our very culture, of uh, of respect and care for one another, of this sense of love for living systems and for the the earth and the planet and our experience in it, leaving a legacy of, um, of beauty and sustainability to our, to our children and their children. And the other pillar deals with uh, social and economic justice, because how can we have a sustainable future if we're unjust and unkind and, and inequitable to, to the world? So that that was the, almost the, the capstone of uh, critical theory. And then the peace and nonviolence and well-being and the spiritual qualities of, that, of what that means, those are the things we started incorporating more and more into our program, into our identity as a program, into what we did and how we serve the community. And uh, so it just kept growing. And I found that when it was in, infused into the culture, that there was nothing to teach. That What it, do you mean there was nothing to teach? <laughs> the, the charter was a living entity with Oh, us. I see. Not to teach the document, you mean. Right. So what happens to you as you're going? What, what is this process takes years uh, in your school? Uh, it took me years, but I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening to you as you're doing it? As, I've, as I'm doing it... Uh, uh, one of the things I think uh, is when you feel committed to something, you want everybody to feel the way you feel. And that's a trap. It's, it's a trap in, in certain ways because there are expectations involved. And uh, uh, rather than sharing the sheer joy of what's, in, what's pulling you forward, and uh, uh, it's as if what's drawing you forward and these ideas, these values, these inclinations draw me forward and bring out the joy inside of me. And so when I share that, it, it, um, uh, other people can take that for what it is. And as they become familiar, they, they have to find their own uh, connection, not my connection, you know. So uh, my connection is mine, and it's a commitment, and it's something that uh, I decided to retire early and work, work with uh, because uh, I'm committed to it. It resonates deeply as a spiritual quality within me. So what are you, what are you doing now then? Well, I'm now doing master classes at the University for Peace at the Earth Charter Center 
uh, and sharing that. I'm um, I'm doing a series where there, where I'm developing, trying to develop an Earth Charter pedagogy that deals with values-based understandings and uh, infuses these into a culture of, of any educational setting. I'm, um, I'm working with teachers and educators and others to, uh, to sort of discover uh, an experiential quality, uh, taking it out of the abstract, and how do you experience these in the body? How do you embody these, these values naturally? And, uh, and then what does that mean when you're in an educational setting? How can you then embody that as a community? And so uh, as, I, as I'm doing this, I'm learning from other people as well, from their experience, and uh, finding that all settings are different. They're complex. Some are restrictive. Some are open. But we find our own way of what's natural and what's doable and what's feasible in our context. Can you give us some specifics? I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, values and interpersonal life, social justice, reverence, reverence for earth, reverence for self, interlocking natural systems, et cetera. Can you give us me some specifics or give us some specifics about how all that works? Um, Yes. So, so let me let me yes. try to paint it. Uh-huh. So you're working with a teacher, yes, or a group of educators, yes, or you're working on the pedagogy. What are some of the specifics that you're actually sharing? With All right, one of those is how we do pedagogy itself, um, and that's uh, I see uh, learning as a very embodied process very in, inactive process in with an e <laughs> right and um, and where we're constantly in um, in connection with the world and the environment around us so the first question is uh, what is that environment and what does it look like feel like uh, how do we experience it so when I work with teachers uh, one of the things I do is create rituals uh, how do we create community in a classroom with rituals? And what do those rituals look like? I usually start off with down is the earth, up is the sky. There are my friends and here am I. Good morning. <laughs> and so, and it brings joy and laughter. And then I said, You've, I've just taught you the earth charter. Uh, we're connected to the earth, to the cosmos, to one another, and to ourselves trying to constantly uh, look and cultivate what this relationship means to us and raise those questions into the world. And so that's one of the ways. Uh, And then uh, as we look at learning, uh, learning is not information processing. It's creating meaning out of information for our lives. So when you, we can give people information, but we can't give someone meaning. We have to find that meaning within ourselves, and we have to discover it. So how do you create learning environments that help us discover meaning? So if you apply this to the Earth Charter, uh, to, to caring for the communities of life, what does that really mean to you? How can you experience it? And how can you create experiences that allow us to have a conversation about what this means and, and how we can, how it affects us, how we internalize it, and how we feel when this is absent from our lives? And, um, and so that's an example. Do you find that some uh, people, meaning itself is a difficult it uh, is a difficult process or a difficult engagement. I it guess. is, and so uh, 
if I just were to talk about meaning, that would be the case. And so one of the things we do, I do, is I create experiences through which we then process. And, uh, and then meaning comes out of the process. Discover what meaning yes. W- yes. looks like, feels like, uh, tastes like sometimes. Right. So it's not an imposed meaning onto a given exactly. event. It's an emergent meaning. It's an emergent meaning, meaning. And my latest book was Emergent Teaching. So, uh, so that sense of if you create the space for something to happen uh, and then process and hold that space something magical happens and that's what happens something magical and it comes out and we we share it and we we understand it from this deep subjectivity of our lives and stories <laughs> well i'm just so impressed i mean it's uh, it's <laughs> i just sit here at these podcasts and bathe in pleasure i have to tell you <laughs> sam it's just well <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew when I said I'm going to go do this that there was going to be some real immense payoff. You know that's that's so true because when you hear stories from other people, uh, I know I get it so inspired. I'm inspired by seeing you do the podcast. I say, this is wonderful. You're bringing these stories into the world, and it's so great. It's teaching story time. Briefly, teaching stories invite us to see the world with a new perspective, often featuring a wise person, a wise fool, or a trickster animal. They can be humorous and often have many shades of meaning shining throughout the story. I have told teaching stories for the past 40 years, and I love them, and I have to tell you, each time I tell one, I learn much more myself. This teaching story is called A Fishy Story. Once, a renowned philosopher and moralist was traveling through the wise fool's village and asked him where there was a good place to eat. The wise fool suggested a place and the scholar, hungry for conversation, invited the wise fool to join him. Much obliged, the wise fool accompanied the scholar to a nearby restaurant where they asked the waiter about the special of the day. Fish, fresh fish. Bring us two, they requested. A few minutes later, the waiter brought out a large platter with two cooked fish on it, one of which was quite a bit smaller than the other. Without hesitating, the wise fool took the larger of the fish and put it on his plate. The scholar, giving the wise fool a look of intense disbelief, proceeded to tell him that what he did was not only flagrantly selfish, but that it violated the principles of almost every known moral, religious, and ethical system. The wise fool listened patiently to the philosopher's extempore lecture, and when he was finally exhausted, the wise fool said, Well, sir, what would you have done? I, being a conscientious human, would have taken the smaller fish for myself, said the scholar. And here you are, the wise fool said, and placed the smaller fish on the gentleman's plate. Can you find meanings in this story about education? If so, send your insights to ba at lovemoreconsulting.com. A three-person panel will select the most relevant stories, and they will be read at the end of a subsequent podcast. Again, that's ba at l-u-v-m-o-u-r 
C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. I look forward to your insights and to learning from you. Those insights selected will receive a copy of the award-winning book so valuable for parents and educators, Grow Together, Parenting as a Path to Well-Being, Wisdom, and Joy by Dr. Josette Lovemore. Yes, we have the same last name, and we are married, and we have been working together in holistic education for more than 30 years. But that's not the reason I offer this book. Check out her many accolades and the book reviews on our website, lovemoreconsulting.com. You know, my own work in this way has been so, I've spent so much internal looking. Yes. And been so inspired, um, uh, you know, just reading like Blake say, I got down on the earth and called the worm mother. I mean, I've hugged earth and earth has hugged me back. And and I've tried to bring it forward in the ways I've tried to bring it forward. And I realize how narrow, necessarily narrow, yes. that kind of has, has and had to be. So hearing these different expansive approaches and the different communities that you work with, what's the big challenge in all that for you? Oh, um, <laughs> you know, the... Um, that's an interesting question, so I have to pause just a moment. Um, I think the challenge always for me, it's not so much a challenge, but um, uh, it's, it's a true joy is to connect. Uh, because when I'm working with anyone, if there's no connection, there's no message, there's nothing to do. So how to create relationship. And always it's, it's, I get nervous I get, uh, about this. I don't take it for granted. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Relationship and connection is, is a joy, but um, to me it's a fi- also a foundation. And so that's it, that creating that foundation of connection and trust and, um, and uh, real true sharing is, is, is always a challenge. A positive challenge. Yeah, and in order to do that, there has to be this space between. Yes, and and so there's a wonderful uh, inner self observation and what one brings to that. And is, um, I'm going to use the word discipline, which is something I haven't done before, in the sense of disciple to our own inner inner understanding as to what really allows that space to be there. I think that's true. Yes. Yeah. And, I, uh, I have to do that. And I think, um, it's, that's very, very true. Uh, sometimes people ask, well, what did you talk about? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, I haven't met the group yet. And, uh, <laughs> I said, whatever I share has to come out of, out of that, process of sharing and so where i i know what 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 i can say so it's not necessarily being prepared for content it's being prepared i think it's an inner preparation 
to clear out my own stuff, you know, and to be as receptive and open as I can be and to learn and truly engage. And you must find that in doing these. Oh, again, this is, you're the sixth person I've ever done it with. (laughs) And so far, resoundingly so. Yeah. But of course, I've done it with many, many teachers and children and over the years right and that's one of the gifts that working in natural learning relationships brought to me because i had spent many many years in retreat and semi-retreat and i didn't see the spiritual essence of relationship i didn't and i'm looking back i can see the arrogance that was in me in not in um, judging what relationship was or wasn't and who was or wasn't worthwhile or and this last 30 years of working in this way has i I just can't believe the incredible spiritual essence in relationship i i understand just knocks my socks off and it wasn't my nature my nature was more okay shut up go within listen get out of your own way yeah I, I can relate to what you're saying because I think my early uh, my early experiences also were very withdrawn, and uh, I think I well I know I'm an introvert by nature, and um, yet I feel most alive in the classroom in relationship. But my natural tendency is to uh, be a contemplative, and, yeah, uh, and uh, to. Uh, really process things alone in silence or in nature or whatever, but alone. And uh, so relationship is, is um, it is a joy, but it doesn't come naturally to me. Oh, this is so interesting yeah. to me. It really is. Do you ever find yourself yearning for the contemplative life? Oh, very much. And, um, well, I live in... I live in the mountains, so I, I, I seek it out. And, um, uh, and I can tell also that if I'm too public in my activity, I start to, to feel drained. And so I, I uh, very much, I have to have a very strong spiritual practice to just sustain me. And, uh, and that actually was went into uh, uh, my work in education for sustainability. <laughs> you know, what do we need uh, for our own sustainable well-being? Um, how do we need to, to, uh, to engage in spiritual practice of whatever kind, not, not, um, not a specific practice? Yeah. Yeah, I, I live next door to my daughter, son, and grandchildren. It is, it is unbelievable. And to have been with them from the first breath in their life and as a grandparent, but as right there. Yes, yes. And, and but still at times, I go, well, I, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe a little contemplate, more contemplative time is called for here. But they're 7 and 11 now, and... The four of us are so close that we're actually now beginning a conversation about how we can each cut out more uh, more opportunities there. Yes, because I, I do find myself yearning. You know, that's that's um, my granddaughter's nine, and um, I've started writing a book. Her name is Lily, called Lily's World, 
and um, uh, where I'm doing a, um, it's, it's not based on the Earth Charter, but I'm doing a meditation on the Earth Charter, both from a Western sense of that word, meditation, and an Eastern sense. And um, uh, so thinking about her and connecting my life with her life, um, there's something unbelievably special about that. I, I know. The gifts are right here. Yes. They're right here. One of my... One of the um, things I trumpet over and over is children are not a cost center. <laughs> They're actually your place of awakening. That's so true. Oh, yes, really, that is see, so true. I work enough with parents to see that they do that all too often. It's really. easy to fall into those traps. So to just disregard or dismiss or not take seriously those the children who have so much to teach us about ourselves. Did we ever think when we started on this that the transformation for us would be so intense? <laughs> I, I did not. I didn't at all. Uh, and I, I, and um, yeah, that sense of entheos, you know, bringing out and bringing forth the God within. Um, I still feel that's that's so strongly, and I thought it would be diminishing, but I find it's actually increasing. My energy level <laughs> is diminishing at this <laughs> stage of my life, but but uh, not the enthusiasm, not the passion I feel for uh, for this work. Hey, podcast listeners, sometimes words are just not what's going to happen on this podcast. <laughs> let me tell you, because right now, just this. It's just, I have no other word but sweet. So what would you, what do you want us to know? I know you spoke um, about uh, carrying forward. And what do you want, like if you're going to infuse people to become holistic educators, what do you want them to know? Uh, I think um, that being a holistic educator uh, is the most natural thing in the world. <laughs> it's not, it is a, there are philosophical aspects to holistic education, of course, but it is the way we are. And uh, um, <laughs> it is the way we learn. It is the way we become human beings and more human. And there's, um, uh, it's magical, but it's not, it isn't something that has to be forced or imposed or learned in any special way. It's just a recognition and awareness of our true nature, that we are spiritual, that we are social, that we have emotions and are emotional beings. We relate to nature and to the environments around us, and we make sense and meaning and intelligence of all of that. Just naturally, that's what we do. It's who we are. <laughs> that is so well said. And uh, so often we'll see children who are responded to and related to and, you know, in, in well-being in, in their whole selves and they'll say or do something spectacular or just 
but it'll look spectacular to us, but it isn't to them. Right. Uh, I uh, this I had a jaw-dropping moment once when um, I had this family I was working with, and actually they ran a small school, and the family came to visit us. And there was a young, there were three children, and this one girl was uh, 10 years old. And um, she went out, and the manzanita bushes, the berries were coming off. And just in the course of the afternoon, she made a manzanita berry necklace for me. And this is early days for me. And she gave me this, this necklace. And I said, oh, I don't deserve that. And she said, why not? <laughs> and it was like she just couldn't understand that this is just a natural yes. mo- movement among people who care for each other. Yes. And I was caught in my <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> why not? And I thought I was being magnanimous and I was being a total idiot. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is such a natural process. And I think um, um, I, I sometimes... Um, well, I use as kind of a some uh, a secondary uh, uh, title for presentations, teaching what really matters. And when you start to wonder and question that, uh, you find that it's much more than what is typically taught. And uh, and uh, I think it was Jerome Harsty. I used this quote quite a bit that uh, there are two questions that all curriculum should should address in some way. What kind of person do I want to be? And what kind of world do we want to live in? And if we encounter those questions as a community and as a, and we're we're sincere about those questions, they take us places. They just do. Meetings with Remarkable Educators is a production of Lovemore Consulting 2 LLC. Copyright Ba and Josette Lovemore 2018. Our sound engineer, Dimitri Young. Our webmaster, Nathan Young. And our all important media maven, Cleo Young. All podcasts are transcribed with show notes and can be found at lovemoreconsulting.com slash podcasts. Bye and Josette Lovemore would also like to thank Self-Designed Graduate Institute. We teach there, and at Self-Design, we nurture each learner's ability to explore inner and outer worlds and discover his or her own deep understanding and vision. Go to the SDGI website and see for yourself. That's www selfdesigninstitute.org. This is Ba Lovemore, reminding you that holistic relationships with children leads to joy and self-knowledge with the adults in their lives. With respect for you and for children everywhere, see you next time.